Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I'll tell you what, maybe we'll talk more about UFOs. Got a bump on the video platforms. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it trending this morning on Twitter? Oh, I'm sorry. Do I have a, a pulse right now of the nation and what people are into? I'm sorry. I went back and did a little more research on those UFOs. Check them out. I mean, they've been talking about it for like over a year. Yeah. That that off the Jackson, off the coast, we did one on Action News back that story on June 21st. <laughs> did you remember that or not? That no. you don't <laughs> I don't pay attention to that stuff. Listen, man, I my man Elock used to be a producer at our place, and he okay. one time said to me, it's like you live in such a bubble. And at first I was a little offended. And then I was like, you know what? You are who you are. He's right. Yeah. I live in a damn bubble most of the time. It's okay, man. And is I, it a and happy place? Are you comfortable absolutely. there? Absolutely. Like, why Ignorance get out of bliss, you know? My bubble is fun. It is. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, and at times, ignorance can uh, be bliss, and that means you're uneducated on some things. You probably should be. But uh, one last question involving the, the UFOs, if aliens are coming, say what's up to us. So obviously, <laughs> we're in a Red Sox or Yankee shirt. Well, this is three. <laughs> no, so aliens come down, and obviously we got to. Is this a joke? No, okay, definitely not. And we'll, no, this is this is listen. I, I've played this out my I played this scenario out in my head before. Aliens come down. We have to aim to please them, right? We have to impress them because we don't want to come across as a weak race, right? So what do we show them first where it's like, check out what we got going on. Check out what we're capable of. What do we show them first? Like, they, they come down. You're, you're going to show them around. You know, you're, it's like an open house. What are you showing them first? <laughs> Good right? question. Yeah. Game of Thrones. We got freaking dragons. <laughs> Just show them the Game of Thrones. A couple of seasons. Hey, you guys got some time? Check this out. But stop at season seven. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. say pools at the bank. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great call. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you have Roller to show, coasters? I was going to say, wouldn't you have to go to an amusement park? And they're like, come on, man. Our old planet's an amusement park. <laughs> have you I ever guess. watched the Jetsons? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like that's a, a good call. I don't know. Subway? What I don't know. I don't know. You haven't lived if you haven't had McDonald's. <laughs> Just take them to McDonald's. <laughs> Over one billion in different universes served. That's 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 a thing you get. Yeah. Like you probably have to do something like that. Like it, it, if we're trying to uh, live in this this strange world that you brought us into here. Sure. Um, Welcome. And you'd have to find the one of the most simplistic things. Okay. Simplistic would win the day, I think. In that. Yeah. Like where you would out. Think what you would show them. No, without a so doubt. So like McDonald's might be like unbelievable. Ice cream. Ice cream. Okay. Okay. Just soccer. Oh, come on now. Come on. Come on. Get old. A Scott, ball Scott, and Scott, a hey, foot. Hey, hey, Scott, you an alien, dude? A Check. ball and a foot. That's <laughs> all you need, man. Took us until Friday to kick you out of here. <laughs> hey, Coos, where you at, dog? <laughs> Hold on, I'll play some more Yankees updates for you in a minute. Hey, it doesn't bother me. Where's T.J. McConnell? A little bit. Where's T.J. McConnell? Uh, uh, all right, Brett Morneau, Austin Lane, Scott here on a uh, Friday, and hey, it's Friday. Uh, <laughs> happy hour probably has begun. It probably sounds like it One foot here the on this show. Yep.
So I, I've been thinking about this for weeks and weeks, really. And we talked about it a lot at, at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay, what what's going to look like? How are we going to cover it? What's sports going to look like on the other side of it? Well, here we are, five months here, and we think, uh, you know, when this thing started in March, April, we hoped we'd be out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not. Yeah. So we're still in it, but we've now learned a lot through it, and we've seen a lot through it, and we've tried to cover sports in it. And so I've been thinking, I was like, you know what, I'd like to get some other media members on a little chat and talk about covering uh, sports in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So last night I finally did. Got our friends uh, Gene Fournette from the Florida Times Union, Mark Long from the Associated Press, and uh, Mike DiRocco from ESPN. Uh, has a little bit of a lean toward how we might cover the Jags and, and even local sports like Gators and high school and others, but also how we have covered sports uh, over the last five months uh, on this radio show, on TV, uh, online, in the paper. It's a great all idea. I like things. this, man. So, I like it. Uh, it was a fun conversation, good conversation, uh, and uh, we did it last night, and we're going to play it for you right now. If Scott is ready, you ready to roll? Well, here it is in its entirety. Hey everybody, we are living in unprecedented times with the pandemic, so we thought, you know what, let's get some members of the media that most folks are aware of and know well and see how they've been covering the pandemic and maybe even going forward into football season. So obviously we have TV guy and now radio guy here, but we also have some writers, Mark Long from the Associated Press, Gene Frenette from Florida Times Union, and a multimedia star in ESPN's Mike DeRocco. By the way, just want to mention three members of Augusta National and some other guy. That would be DeRocco. Are you guys wearing master shirts? I think Mark changed his shirt, and he's wearing a master shirt right now. I'm rocking the Palmasia Country Club. Yeah, that's a nice backyard right there. Good scene for Mark Long. Mark, let's begin with you because you cover a lot of different things, uh, from NASCAR down in Daytona to the Florida Gators and, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Associated Press. How challenging has it been since March uh, to come up with story ideas? And obviously you're not covering events that are happening a lot. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, this is really a, a test of your your journalism contacts, your background, what, what you know, people you know, who you can call, who you can, uh, you know, that kind of relationship. Because that's really where we're at right now. It's you're not gonna roll in and and get somebody one on one in a normal setting. This is a new new era of journalism. Um, I've covered a couple of things. I did. I've covered the UFC fights in Jacksonville. There were three of them, so I covered those three in Jacksonville. Uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday in April, and then I covered uh, MLS in Orlando just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I've been back down there. I'm going back down there again next week for some semifinals and then the finals. Uh, weird. UFC was super weird. Not having anybody in the stands at the at the arena there in Jacksonville, uh, but also super cool because you know you got to hear the trash talk, you got to hear the coaching, you got to hear a lot of things, and and by the second night they were now talking in code. The uh, fighters or the coaches to the fighters, uh, everybody was talking in code because they realized on night one that wait wait this is really different and people can hear and adjust on the fly. So we're going to do it, switch it up and. Uh, you had kind of the Omaha, Omaha of UFC kind of thing going on. Uh, soccer was different. Uh, also similar, you know, you could hear a lot of things on the field that you wouldn't normally get to hear. Uh, we were, it was a weird setup because we were so far. We're not in the bubble. 
So we got to we were in the corner covering them, and then everything after the match was Zoom, which is where we're probably headed. Which is where we definitely are headed with you with the NFL. So it's much more indicative of what we're going to get in the NFL, where you're there and you're watching and you're up close and personal. But then when it comes to interviewing guys, you're doing it just like we would everything else. And I'm personally zoomed out. I've had my share of zooms with Dan Mullen and Scott Strickland and, you know, the Jags, you know, everybody with the Jags. And, uh, you know, if I, and you know, not, not saying, not saying this, but, you know, I've, I've had my share of Zooms at this point and I'm, I'm already ready to get back to life as we knew it. I appreciate you Zooming with us, but I don't think we're getting back to life as we knew it uh, anytime in the near future. Gene Fournette, let's bring you in. You've been doing this for a long time. We know they're unprecedented times, but you're a columnist for the Florida Times Union. How difficult uh, – I know you cover events as well, but how difficult coming up with columns with sports not happening for the most part over the last handful of months? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty challenging. And, and, and the other thing you have to keep in mind, too, is that so far this has been happening when not a whole lot has been going on. I mean, obviously – May, June, July are typically the drier months for sporting events happening. Uh, and, you know, you're trying to create content that's going to be meaningful for your readers, which in my view is always local. I mean, to me, the more that you can uh, localize a story, the better. Uh, fortunately, I've been able to, you know, in the last month and a half, two months, been able to have, you know, contacts with, with you know, some college football athletic directors, uh, I'm uh, waiting on a one-on-one uh, next week, hopefully with uh, with Mike Norvell uh, at FSU, and uh, and and you know, I've, I've I've done an MLB uh, column with Ben Gamble, things like that. You know, but you're you're trying to localize everything, and it, and it's not always easy. Uh, the, I, I've talked to some Jaguars undrafted free agents uh, uh, one-on-one. The Jaguars made those guys available, and now to me, over the next few days, it's going to be interesting now to talk to some of these same guys because the the sad news for those guys is if these 10 roster spots get taken away, uh, an opportunity is going to be taken away for probably eight, nine, or 10 out of the 10 being undrafted free agents. It's possible they could cut a veteran or two, but more likely they'll be out undrafted free agents who only shot ever to get a chance to get into the NFL, and now they might lose that because of COVID. Yeah, Gene Fournette, uh, talk about localizing things. Kind of the opposite for you, Mike DiRocco. I know from a local standpoint, you have an audience, but ESPN, you write for them on a national scene. And uh, how challenging has that been to meet uh, kind of the appropriate number of stories, probably since I would say the draft, right? I mean, leading up to the draft, we had some things going on and, and the Jaguars were talking, but without OTAs, without minicamp, and now this lull, uh, give us a sense of the challenges for you. Yeah, you know, ESPN has, has done a really good job. We've sort of changed our focus over the last three or four years. When I first started doing this, the uh, the thing was feed the beast. So it was five, seven, eight things a day, and we've kind of gone the opposite way in that. So, you know, one really good story, two good stories a week is sort of what the norm is. So that helps in a time like this when you just don't have a ton of access and there's not a ton uh, going on. But you know, the one thing that, that I always try and do, and ESPN really wants us to do that, is to find something different that other people aren't writing about. Take a different approach, take a different track, you know, and that is easier when you can get into a locker room and talk with guys, and you can talk to coaches one-on-one, and you can have some interaction. It's not as much when everybody's on the same Zoom call, and, and Brent, and 
Martin, you guys know, in a press conference setting, even in that, at the Jags or anywhere, there's a lot of give and take. You can get maybe more questions in. You can you can get a rapport going. You can kind of get a flow of interview questions going, and it's tough to do in this set, setting like this. So that kind of makes it even tougher. So from my standpoint, uh, like those guys said too, it, it's going to maybe even be a little bit more challenging for me to try and find some of those stories that, that, you know, maybe everybody else isn't doing, which is kind of what ESPN wants us to do. Yeah, very well said. Uh, let's bring Mark Long back in before he falls asleep in the hammock in the backyard. Uh, <laughs> Mark, do, is this a game changer, do you think, in any way on how we cover sports, or is this just a moment in time where we are stuck on Zoom calls and all those, and the intimacy of, of interviewing players is kind of forbidden? I, I hope it's a moment in time. I really do. I'm, my worry is that this is a this will be a pivotal a pivot point to where you know universities or NFL teams or programs that aren't pro media will use this as an opportunity to scale back and do less and change the the access that we've been privy to for decades and uh, so I'm a little nervous from that standpoint because. I don't know that you can make people go back. I don't know what you can. Can you make people go back to having in locker in locker room? I think you can do it at the NFL, probably at the pro level. But I don't know what you know if if the University of Florida is gonna. You know, I, I worry that they might use this as an opportunity to weed out some of the fringe media and uh, cut back on the amount of interaction that that we get with players. They've already cut back dramatically over the last 10 or 15 years that I've covered the Gators uh, in terms of what you get and when you get it and how you get it. Um, and I, I really wonder whether this will be, this is the, we're on the cusp of a new, a new era of, of media coverage. Yeah, I think it's a uh, shameful thing too. Yeah, and it's a good point too, because you got to remember uh, as part of that, so many of these entities have their own employees writing, shooting video, doing interviews because of their websites. It's the way we've gone in the last decade or so. Gene, as we, as we bring you back into the fold here, uh, I always thought that I, I hated at the outset of this thing when people would say, oh, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to do? What are you going to cover? And I said, well, you know what? I think we have an opportunity, at least in TV and, and maybe even on radio to get creative, but especially on TV to tell some stories maybe that we hadn't told in a long time because we were caught up in the day-to-day. And I think we did that for the first little bit. My, my point is, I think we saw and continue to see some really good journalism done in this unprecedented time. Do you feel the same way? In some respects, yes. Uh, you mentioned the creativity factor. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge uh, for all of us. And, and this is even assuming we have a football season, because based on what Dr. Fauci said today, that's going to be another you know, a little bit of a downer for a lot of people that uh, he's having more doubts about whether we'll have a football season at all, including the NFL. But if we do have one, yes, it's, I think it's going to put a lot more uh, pressure on all of us to be creative because let's let's not forget the Jaguars football season for their public relations staff just to try to arrange Zoom call Zoom interviews after the game. Well, in a normal setting, we might stay for 45 minutes to an hour in the locker room after a given game. We might get seven, eight, nine interviews in, ten, depending on how, how quickly you do them. Well, now you'll, uh, we'll probably get a Zoom call with Doug Marone, a Zoom call with Gardner Minshew, 
And then whatever you get after that, you might only get another two in because there won't be enough time for the public relations department to facilitate all the requests because, you know, Mike or Mark may have something different in mind to write after the game than I would have. So, uh, you know, the fans are going to uh, suffer a little bit too because it's going to be more challenging from a coverage standpoint because, as Mark pointed out, we will not have as much access as before. Yeah, I think it will be a little more streamlined in that sense because of the limited access in the locker room. I agree with you there. Mike, as we as we bring you back in here, you know, we have the pandemic, unprecedented. But also, during this stretch, had the Black Lives Matter movement. How uh, important do you think, in your opinion, is it to document this time frame, whether it's five months or a year, uh, for people to go back and see? And I'm not saying everybody's going back and read Mike DeRocco from ESPN exactly what he said. But I'm saying in totality, on a whole, for all of us, like, do, is there a sense of responsibility to document this kind of big-time moment in time, in history, from a sports perspective? Well, absolutely. It's historical. I mean, think about, um, you know, all the stuff that happened after 9-11 and the way sports became a part of uh, the, the country's ability to try and heal and try and get back to work. That was a historical era, and we're seeing the same thing here, not just with the Black Lives Matter movement, which you know clearly captured the attention of the country for a while and, and numerous professional athletes, including you know, guys like Chris Conley and Leonard Fournette, were really at the forefront of that in, in the Jacksonville area and, and getting – protests organized and getting peaceful marches organized. I mean, it's it's a historical piece of time that, that when you're caught up in it, sometimes you don't really see the significance of it until it's four, five, six, seven years down the road uh, and maybe even longer. But I do think that 15, 20, 30 years from now, the summer, the spring and summer of 2020 is going to be one of those eras that that people talk about uh, you know, is, that changed either the way sports are looked at, the way sports are played, the way sports are covered, and the way society views uh, responsibility of professional athletes. You guys, I'm going to finish up with this so I can let you go, and I appreciate your time and, and the thoughts on this uh, because it's really interesting to me. I know we're inside the business, but I think it's, it is an interesting time uh, in, in our professional careers, but also for sports fans. And so for each one of you, we'll begin with Mark again. We'll just go right down the line. Uh, did people, do we need sports back? Major League Baseball coming back, NBA coming back, college football we'll see, high school football we'll see, NFL looks like it's on its way back. I know uh, there are some um, critics of that, but it looks like it's on its way. Do we need it back? And will because of that, will sports be better than it's ever been before or bigger than it's ever been before? What do you think, Mark? We, we need it back. We need it back as, as Americans. We need it back across the world, really. Uh, we need our sports. I think this – it's so funny. I, I always reference this. Pat Riley said it years ago. He said, we work in the toy department of human affairs. And, and he's right in terms of, you know, pretty minor stuff covering sports or the sports world. But, boy, when it's not there, you realize how big a hole it leaves in your life for, for us and, and not just for us but the everyday fan. I mean, they're dying. And more than anything, I think – Sports needs to come back because what we what we have, and then you're starting to see it, is you've got this really fragile infrastructure of the way these things are built. They're built on the necessity to, of having games and getting this TV money. And if you don't have this TV revenue, boy, I mean, you are just in a world of hurt. And you see it around the country. Colleges are starting to crumble, and I think you're gonna you would see the same thing. Maybe not at the NFL level, but certainly 
uh, high school, college, on up, minor leagues, all those are just on the brink of crumbling right now if they don't get these games. Gene, what do you think? I think we need it more for the standpoint of, of the country itself. Um, look, at, we, we can all talk selfishly and say we need it back because it, it's, it's a necessary part of our jobs, and our jobs, quite frankly, would become less meaningful without sporting events, correct? Uh, you know, we yeah. might not even have jobs without, you know, without sporting events. But I, I'm, I'm thinking about it more from the standpoint of, you know, whether it's whether it's the vendors at the stadiums, uh, whether it's people who just want a diversion away. Listen, everybody's got COVID-19 fatigue, right? I mean, there's no doubt about that. So uh, bringing back sports, Major League Baseball is, is going to be starting up here in about five minutes. Uh, we're going to have uh, – uh, NBA playoff action here pretty darn soon, and hopefully we will have football. I, I you know, I, I still have my doubts about whether we will. I think it's 50-50, uh, whether we have college football, and not, not a whole lot better than that for the NFL. But uh, just for the fans' sake, even if they can't be, even if they can't show up at the stadium and do their tailgating like they normally do, if they can at least watch it on TV and be able to have that three-hour diversion in their lives that they're accustomed to having. I think it will, uh, just from a mental health standpoint, benefit a lot of people, even if we can't, even if they can't do it in the same way that they've done it before. But it's, it's been a long haul for a lot of people. But more importantly, the economic dependency people have on football is to me the primary reason why we need it back. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. There's so many people where maybe Things in their life aren't going the way they want it to go, whether it's job, whether it's friends, whether it's illness, whether it's relationships. Um, and for so many people, that three hour window on the Sunday or the two and a half hour window on a baseball game or a basketball game is is the thing that they turn to to maybe feel good for a little bit to distract them from whatever is not ha- whatever they're not happy about or just a chance to get away lose themselves in three hours of their favorite team, favorite players. And when you don't have that, I mean, that's a void. And and, and I think we're seeing so many people uh, just kind of feel empty because they don't have the sports. And, look, you, we cover or you guys cover the high schools in town. I guarantee you this. You go to every single high school coach in the city and you ask them, how many guys on your roster do you have? that wouldn't be eligible in school or did, would, would be in trouble if they didn't have football or they didn't have basketball or whatever to kind of keep them focused, keep them in school in some cases. So, I mean, you've got kids needing it. You've got parents needing it. You've got people just in general that, that need the escape, that need 30 minutes or three hours to, to kind of forget about everything else that's not going right um, and – feel good at least for a little bit of time anyway. Well, I think you guys all nailed it. And and on top of that, I would say, I think Gene said something about the economics. We're seeing that with the universities, how important the economics are. And I think we're seeing it with the NFL, how much an economic driver it is, not for our entire economy, but for a lot of businesses here and there from an advertising point of view and from a media uh, point of view. And uh, you brought up 9-11 earlier, Mike. I, I think from that point, it was healing right now. We need sports just for normalcy, uh, and it will feel like a normal Sunday afternoon if the NFL plays. Hey, appreciate you guys' time. Mark Long from the Associated Press, Gene Fournette from the Florida Times Union, Mike DeRocco from ESPN, and Mike, uh, we'll invite you up to the country club in Augusta sometime. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, you guys just you want me to caddy. caddy that's all. Me. You can caddy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. I was good to catch up with those guys. Uh, pardon the, the joking about Augusta National, but we've all played up there on the media day, except for Duraco. So anytime Long and I get together, and I didn't realize Gene did. He had played in uh, 2008. So we all have our own uh, green jacket, at least in our minds, uh, when it comes to that. So, hey, thanks for those guys for the conversation. I think a little bit of my intrigue is, to be honest with you, it's inside the business, but I this is what we do. This is what I do. This is I've said this from the start. I feel like for the first time in my 20-year career, documenting this time in history from a pandemic and Black Lives Matter movement and, and everything going on in 2020, I, I feel like there is a little bit responsibility involved, uh, more so than I've probably ever felt in my career. There's always responsibility to tell a story or tell the facts or uh, describe a game or, or document what went on. But I guess I feel it a little bit differently because I do think 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, somebody's going to look back on this time here in Jacksonville, how we covered it at CBS and Fox when I'm retired, sitting on a porch in Wyoming. <laughs> um, or when somebody reads back to Gene, Mar Mark or, or Mike and yeah. reads their stuff, I think people will look back on it locally and nationally so uh to me that that part of it's kind of fascinating the last thing i asked them and i get your thoughts it, there have been a lot of folks throughout this last five months and i've heard this so many times and i and i don't necessarily agree with it when they've said we need sports i need sports i need sports and i've got to be honest with you, i'm a sports guy i mean i do this for a living I, and i haven't really felt that uh, I felt at times during the pandemic, it was a nice little reprieve. It was kind of a reset of our lives in, yeah. in a way. It's it's spending a little more time with the family. It's getting in shape if you want to. It's doing figuring out a way to do some different things. It's like if you take the phones and the electronics away from the kids, you know what? They'll find a way to do something else. They'll sure. go play a board game or cards or, yeah. or go for a run. Well, we all had to do that, too. So I didn't I didn't feel that. Now, as we start approaching football season, I feel that a little bit more from the normalcy and economic end of it. Uh, again, that could be a little influenced by our business mm -hmm. and my life. But I do feel like now that we're five months through this thing, I don't think we need sports because I need to watch something on TV. I think we now need it because it's been five months of abnormal and getting back to somewhat of normal or what normal will soon be or carrying on with life, whether it's going back to school, watching football on Sundays. That's where I say I think we need it. And I feel that more than I felt it the previous five months. Yeah. You know, I mean, th that's kind of a, a statement that we've been echoing now for the past couple months on this show. It's like, yes, everything feels different right now. But we weren't really panicking about it, right? It gave us an opportunity to learn new hobbies. Like you said, it gave us an opportunity to spend more time with our families and all that stuff. So we adapted and we found a way to overcome it. Now, with football being the biggest sport in this country, if you take football away, then it's like it's the black mirror that hangs in front of you. Then it's like, all right, this is not normal right now. There is something wrong. There is this is this isn't the life that I'm accustomed to. If you take football away, that's what's going to happen. So I agree with you. I think in terms of if you were to, to lose um, a sport 
football would be the worst one to lose in this country, especially college and the NFL. Because keep in mind, I mean, people have traditions and close ties to college programs, and they have close ties and traditions associated with the NFL as well. And if, if you lose those traditions and you lose those ties and everything like that, um, it's going to leave a giant void, I feel like, um, in terms of not only sports fans, but also society in general. Yeah, and what as, be- as, more, as aggressive as that sounds. And, but- and by the way, and I guess the one thing, I don't think it's been long enough that habits have changed. I don't feel that. But if some of that stuff does carry through through next year and other things fire up before maybe tailgating and, and whatever else, mm-hmm. do some of those ways of life, some of that uh, that people are so accustomed to used to do every Saturday in the fall, does that change some people's patterns of how they live? I could see that happening, but only if other things are coming back first and, and you get you get into kind of a new rhythm of life. It's almost like uh, that diet you go on and you say it's going to be a lifestyle change, not just like this one-month thing where I want to lose 10 pounds, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, we're social creatures, man, and we're also creatures of habit. And right now, socialization, it's obviously it's felt different via Zoom or FaceTime and things like that. It's hard to, you know, to justify right now going out in a large group, going to a bar, hanging out, all those types of things. So that feels different. People spend their hard-earned money. Um, people spend their time, sometimes away from their families, and they go to this game. A game with a pigskin, um, where if you try to explain to somebody foreign, it, it sounds like the craziest thing ever. But people spend their time, effort, and their money, and they go to this thing. And they they get with other people like them, fans, if you will, and they socialize. And they, they, they take part in the, in the joy um, of victory, and they take part with, the obviously, the, the, the bummer of defeat. But it's a socialization type of thing. And now you take that away, and keep in mind, fantasy football, all that kind of stuff. And it it sounds childish, and it sounds just like it's not a big deal. But I'm telling you, the way people communicate with each other and stay in touch and everything, if you take football away, that's going to be a giant hit. Now we have to wonder what it's going to be like because tailgating, probably not going to be there, obviously. Um, You know, people in the stands, well, some stadiums will have that, some won't. It kind of has to, you have to ask the question as well of what is it going to look like from the fans' perspective? What's it going to look like from the morale perspective? The fact that you can't go out there and socialize with people. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's where we still don't know. The story's not written on that uh, completely, but um, we've made it through five months. Football's mm-hmm. on the way. Training camps are going to happen. High schools push back. College, what's the latest with that? We'll give you an update uh, before the end of the show. And Major League Baseball came back last night. Record numbers, or at least most recently, some huge numbers. We'll give you an update on what kind of numbers uh, those games did last night. Braves are underway. My pick to be the World Series champ. Not a Braves fan, but I think they're going to win it all this year in 2020. I have a couple of uh, predictions I've got to catch up on, like Cy Young and MVP. How did Stan do last night? You're going to already get on this? On pace for 60 home runs this year. I like it. On pace. How did, how did Judge do? Did he hit one? He did not. I like it. Sorry, man. Hey, there's there's pride. There's there's something on the line here. I got I to gotta rub your face in it a little bit. A little it's bit. Okay. Some yeah. Jags wagers on the way as well. It's next on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.
Kent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back to the Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 program on a Friday. Brent Martino, Austin Lane. Scott is here all week for Coos. We appreciate his efforts. And now it's almost time for the degenerate segment of the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't really call it necessarily a betting segment. I just want to kind of see where your mind is right now with this Jaguars team and kind of what you uh, foresee happening this year. There's and nothing more wrong with a friendly wager among gentlemen. Yeah, I no. mean, like, it doesn't have to be all about betting here. It's more about just I want to see your thoughts about how you think it's going to pan out this season. Um, obviously, we kind of know the record, but I want to get more in-depth into your thought process here. I don't say that in a negative connotation. Okay. I welcome it. Okay. We have already about ten bets on the table. Okay. Well, in that case, yeah, then we're, we're going to bet a lot of we're going to place a lot of bets down here, everybody. Uh, so we plan Doing on more that. business than a Vegas bookie in you here, man. Better believe it, the, man. The thing about this one is, I don't really know what you have in mind. Mm, two two toe wagers, I like to call these two toe wagers. <laughs> let's go. Let's go ahead and get a sponsor on that ASAP. What is that? A two toe wager? Yeah. If you lose, you lose your toes. <laughs> it's a two toe wager. You ever heard that? You lose two of them. Yeah, you, you lose both your toes, man. What are you talking about? Also, you can't pay up, you lose some toes. There we go. And one of them's got to be the pinky toe. You better be- uh, I, I, I was going for the big one myself. But. I feel like I've lost my pinky toe already because I hit it on everything. <laughs> I never wore flip-flops or sunglasses before I got to Florida. Really? Well, I shouldn't say I never wore sunglasses, yeah, but, but, but you like I was not a regular. Sure. The sun's just different down here. Oh, you're and not I lying, felt like man. I needed more. My eyes changed. Yeah. But flip-flops is another. Now I wear did, them all the time, and I never was a flip-flop wearer. Did they issue them to you when you came across the state border? <laughs> or did they, like, show up two weeks after you moved in in your welcome kit? Yeah. Uh, and now I Someone wear them so much up. that I just rip them all apart. You know, was, and I'm like, oh, I got to yeah, wear yeah. yeah. In fact, recently I... I saw some on sale, so I got a couple of them. Yeah. So now I have a couple of backups just in case they flops. I like it. They man. break. See, with having size 15, it kind of ranges. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty limited, honestly, <laughs> yeah, in what true. I can wear for flip flops. So, um, my choices are pretty sparse. If, if a cool one presents itself, I'm not opposed to it. And I, that's the other thing. Much like sunglasses, like I'm not a. I don't really go for the style of the sunglass, and yeah. I'm not really a stylistic flip-flop guy yeah. either. Like well, It's just like, all right, what's well, kind of comfortable and kind of just is not going to be out there. Like, yeah. I don't need everybody looking at my feet. Yeah. I'm not trying to draw attention Listen, to my feet. I, I, I was never that way either, but unfortunately, I came across about a $60 pair of flip-flops. And, you know, they're like, they're like the thong flip-flops, right? So they have the strap yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Take them, get them, take them to my bachelor party in Las Vegas. We were out by a pool party, um, playing some beer pong. Um, it got a little physical and ended up getting pushed into a, like, like a, like a lawn chair and blew up my flip flop literally like the second day of wearing them. And I vowed to myself I'd never get an expensive pair of flip flops again. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yep. Uh, I like it. I like it though. You shouldn't spend a lot on flip flops. Yeah. Um, shouldn't do it all right uh i have to before we get to the bets of the jags sure i owe uh some bets i mean some uh mvp picks 
I mean, you put it in the email, so I assume yeah, you didn't follow it. Yeah, I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, I did. You didn't. It's all right, good. And maybe if you want to put your uh, leadoff hitter of the year out there, too, <laughs> yes. for everybody. We did not come up with, like, a new stat. Yeah, Like, yeah. we should have come up with best mask wearer of the year. Good point. Like, I actually saw Pablo Sandoval last night. Yep. He had the mask on, but he didn't really have it on. He had it around, like, his chin when he came to the plate. Like, how uncomfortable yeah. is that? Dude, if you got to wear the mask, wear the mask. Yeah, by the way, his throwing motion, too. A little crazy, huh? Where he kind of delays it a little bit. He oh, that was Cueto. Oh, I'm sorry. That was Cueto, not Sandoval. Uh, yeah. Sandoval's... Uh, he's a panda. Sandoval doesn't look the, like he's a baseball player. I got you. He's the I actually, Kung Fu Panda, right? That's Sandoval, Sandoval looks yeah. like he should be playing in your beer league softball I got team. you. I got you. Yeah, and, yeah. And I actually said this to, like, the kids yesterday watching Sandoval, and he was a big bust in, in Boston. It sounded to a big year, a big deal, like five years, $95 million. He was He was terrible. Uh, but he was good with the Giants before, now he's back with the Giants. Yeah. And I said, how good must he, how good of a hitter must this guy be to be able to have that body in Major League Baseball? <laughs> like, you, you see different shapes and sizes. You don't see that, but like you saw Bartolo Colon, mm-hmm. you do not see Pablo Sandoval's body mm-hmm. in big league baseball. Yeah. You just don't. And you really don't see that body. Heck, you don't see that body on an offensive line. You saw it with Prince Fielder in the cover of the body no, issue, but, 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 Prince, but Fielder was pro- that's a good call, actually. But, I should but say. see, but Prince Fielder's deceiving though, because like when he wore the jersey, like yeah. he kind of looked like he was like kind of jacked, you know. Probably Prince's dad, Cecil, was like. Even more mm-hmm. round, rotund. I think they rotund call that. is about. Let's use that word right yeah, there. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm just saying, how, <laughs> how much of a be nice. how much of a hit a good hitter do you have to be to get away with that bot? Is, yeah. is essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. Cecil hit bombs. Uh, Prince Fielder was a good player, and yeah. they kind of fizzled out too after a he big did. time contract. And then, uh, and Sandoval. You know, now he's trying to kind of come back a little bit, but it's just it's a, it's amazing. He's in three hole, yeah, for the Giants. Did, did you really buy into that uh, Prince Fielder was actually a vegan? I didn't pay much attention okay. to it, and I probably wouldn't have bought into it. Okay, yeah, I'm like, man, you getting like that off of rice and red beans the whole time? Come on, <laughs> what are we talking about? All right, who did you pick yesterday? Uh, for what? Uh, for MVP and Cy Youngs? Do you uh, remember? So MVP was Mike Trout, and yeah. I had I had a, well, I had Yelich and Slash Acuna. I mean, I'm going Yelich, but Acuna as my dark horse. Let's just say. Okay. I'm a, I'm a homer. What nice favorite say? dark horse. Well, yeah. you, you've seen the T-shirt. Um, and who did you say young? Do you remember? Uh, Garrett Bueller. Cole and Walker Bueller. Yeah, that's almost chalk, to be quite honest. Bueller and Garrett Cole as well. You think chalk? Yeah. Well. That's you know, fine. You know, you're right. It's fine. I mean, dude, I mean, but it's a Cy Young. It can be a lot of people. Listen, A-Rod was me? doing the game last night. Yeah. And at one time, they're like, they're going over their picks, right? Uh, because of that rain delay. Mm-hmm. And so. He's like, he's like, well, I think, like, he almost like sets the table, like, oh man, he's gonna pick like, like Brent picked the Rays and the Braves. He's gonna come out of left field here. He goes, and I think it's going to be the Dodgers and the Yankees. Oh wow! Like, oh, thanks, A Rod. Wow. Way to do breaking, your homework, man. Breaking Twitter's on fire right now. Glad to, yeah, glad, glad you really went out on a limb there. Yeah. What do you got, man? Let's hear him. Who's your MVPs? Do you know how heavy of a favorite Mike Trout is to win the MVP award? It's crazy. I, I don't see the Vegas I mean, odds. but he's really a big-time favorite. Yeah. And I'm going to say he doesn't win it. Okay. I've got the Indians winning the Central. Mm. And I'm going to say Lindor, who's up for a huge contract, wins the MVP in the AL. Mm-hmm. Great player. Sure. Great player. 
And in the National League, my favorite to win uh, is Acuna is arguably the most exciting player in the game. To me, it's Javi Baez. I'm going to say Javi in a 60-game season okay. uh, wins the MVP award. Let me ask you this in terms of Trout not winning it. Any chances that Otani could win it? I think a lot of guys could pull from each other. I think sure. I think uh, on that team especially, I think Otani, uh, I think Trout, and I think uh, he's out with an oblique right now. Nationals. Oh, dude. For, um, yeah. Rendo. We just talked about Rendo. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Rendo. I blank myself. Uh, I think he could win. It's Friday. So I actually think you. they have three guys that could win. I, I would put Otani as the, the – I, I got to see more from likely. Otani. Oh, yeah, I mean, I got, for sure, for sure. I mean, there's a hype around him, but, but, but you yeah, have to see I it. think why not, yeah. right? Okay. Why not? Cy Young's, what do you got? Uh, on the Cy Young front, in the National League, I'm going with Walker Bueller. No, I'm not. <laughs> Chalky McChalk Chalk. How about this one? I'm going with Aaron Nola. Okay. To win, I'd get some good money on Aaron Nola. Yeah. Uh, is, but did you see the odds of that? I don't. I mean, I, who, I didn't yeah, see. It's who cares? Right. But I, I think uh, he has a good. I think Philly's going to be good, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to carry a lot of the freight there. And why not, just for the fun of it, go with a local guy who's really emerged, okay, to win the AL Cy Young, Mike Clevenger, okay, who played his high school ball at Wolfson. Okay. Who's got nasty, filthy stuff. I like it. If he can stay healthy, okay. he could do it. Now, remember now, you're picking a Cy Young who basically is going to get 12 starts. If you miss starts, it's magnified in a big-time way. Mm-hmm. Like Kershaw missed a start yesterday. Well, he potentially now only have 11. I mean, that's a big-time, uh, that's a big chunk. For sure. So, I mean, you probably could miss one or two. You can't miss much more than that. Mm-hmm. You miss three starts out of 12, you basically miss 25% of the season. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be interesting so to watch. Health is a big factor there. You have an MVP and a Cy Young Award winner at the, on the same team, by the way. I know. Okay. Well, I think Cleveland's going to win the Central. Yeah, you have know, a big right. year. You're right. Uh, and uh, I know that's probably not. Clevenger's the got some to swag do. to him too, man. He does. Did you see that video of him with the Cy? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That guy's awesome. He does. He yeah. has. He's a fun character. Is he? I don't know. Him. I've never met him. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, just watching him and through stuff. And, and uh, again, a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. A guy that much like. More Jacksonville baseball guys that people don't even really know. Yeah. Uh, I th- another one that could have been in action last night and will split a bunch of time for the San Francisco Giants, Austin Slater. Mm-hmm. He's a Jacksonville guy. What played at Bowles? Nobody ever mentions his name. Jacksonville will get a bunch of guys starting uh, here tonight all across the league, uh, including DJ Stewart uh, for the Orioles. Uh, and he joined us on our baseball show, Austin Hayes. He's not a Jacksonville guy, played at JU. Uh, Orioles have a ton of guys in their system from the area, so it'll be uh, fun to watch all the local guys play. And I'm going to pick one to win the Cy Young. By the way, Corey Kluber's not a local guy, but he lived in Jacksonville. His wife's from Jacksonville. And remember, Kluber won, I think, a couple of Cy Youngs, definitely one mm-hmm. for the Indians a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. Used to live down in St. John's Golf and Country Club. Uh, doesn't anymore, but his wife, I believe, is from the Jacksonville area. So cool. uh, we we have so many ties to Jacksonville I like it. Uh, when it comes to baseball. And I've got Javi Baez, MVP, mm-hmm. local tie, mm-hmm. played at ACD, Clevenger Cy Young, Local tie played at Wolfson. How do you like that? And I have Christian Yelich, a local tie. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Staying local. All right. Uh, So that's baseball. By the way, the Braves are playing the Mets right now. Uh, And one more thing about Major League Baseball. Did you watch? You watched a little bit last night? I did. Yeah. You're not the only one. The Dodgers, the Yankees and the Nationals, it was only a five-inning game, uh, got rained out. 
four million viewers on ESPN. It was the most watched opener ever on ESPN. Mm-hmm. It was the most watched Major League Baseball game on any network. I think I read since 2011. Yeah. Is that right? Was that just most watched opener or any regular season game? So according to Dan Rovell, and take it how you want with Dan Rovell. Well, no, he's getting it from the, yeah. st- the, the ratings guys. Okay. So um, it was the most watched MLB regular season broadcast in nine years. So there you go. Since so 2011. Go. Yep. Uh, four million viewers. So does that answer your question about, I guess, people wanted to watch something, right? Just, just wait till the new season of The Bachelor comes out. Then we'll see where we're sitting. <laughs> Uh, all right, and, and it pains me to say that. By the way, I don't well, feel good. Saying interestingly that. enough, uh, it's the most watched uh, program on ESPN since the Last Dance. It uh, didn't even beat like the Last Dance. There we go. So that's interesting. What's up, MJ? That kind of shows you where Major League Baseball is too. I, I also think there's a little bit of people are in such a weird routine right now. Mm-hmm. I wonder what a game like Sunday Night Baseball or whatever. I wonder if some of those could eclipse it. Sure. You know, so I say if Yankees Red Sox play on Sunday night, which are not this Sunday night, but yeah. just humor me. Or Yankees Dodgers played yeah. in a regular season game, would it eclipse the last dance? I think yeah. Mm. The Nationals still aren't like this huge baseball audience True. getter. True. <laughs> you I know? mean they're essentially the, the Toronto Raptors of baseball. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's a big market, big area, yeah. they're not. They don't have this fan base that's just whoa! I can't wait to turn them on. Correct. Uh, sorry, Jack Stan, but that's what you get when you want robot umps. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. What you got? All right, man. So basically, what we're doing here, Brent, is we're, we're taking some of the analytics, some of the stats from last year, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Of do you think the stats or the numbers will be better in the favor of the Jaguars this up and coming season, or were they better last year? For instance, I'll give you an easy one. Obviously, last year, the Jaguars won six games. Brent Martineau, more or less than six games this season. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. More. More, okay. Next one, Gardner Minshew threw 21 touchdowns last year. More. Okay. Now, this is an interesting one. Only, and it's kind of crazy to think about because he did have a lot of turnovers because fumbles, obviously, too. But only six interceptions last year from Gardner Minshew. More. D- okay. More interceptions. Gotcha. All right. DJ Chark, 1,008 yards last year, which was good for 27th in the league. Will DJ Chark have more yards or less yards than last season? Are you writing this down? I am now. I mean, I have a pretty good memory. Yeah, what's up? I got you. <laughs> good memory. Well, no, no, honestly, I have I, a good memory too. It's just I was, short. I was gonna go back and listen to him and then do it. But oh, yeah, okay, fine. that's yeah. fair enough. Because well, the way you're answering him, it's like I mean, let's, let's slow play it a little bit here. Let's tease it a little. I know. More. Well, I'm trying to yeah. like um, get like that that Jeopardy answer real quick. I got you. And is there anything more pointless than the insert button on a keyboard? You know what I'm talking about when you type something in and it, the insert. It's the dumbest thing ever, Brent. Thanks for agreeing with me. So DJ Chark, Brent. In fact. Macs are so smart and Apple's so smart they don't even have an insert button. I didn't know that. You know that? I can't even find it on my laptop here. So I understand what you're trying to do right now. You're trying to stall on this hard question, and, and, and I understand. But 1,008 yards, DJ Chark last year, which is good for 27th in the league, which is kind of crazy, 27th in the league. 27th? 27th, man. So what you're basically saying is, like, it's not super elite 
to get a thousand yards. You've got to get into like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred category. Correct. To be like elite. Correct. Now DJ was still a pro bowler. Of course. And he should have been. Great season. Very dependable. Uh, but th- does he build off that? I think they're going to throw it more. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to homer up too much because LaVisca Chenault's going to be in there. Conley had a bunch of yards, but I expect Didi and the tight ends to get more. Chris Thompson out of the backfield to get more. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to spread the wealth a little bit more than they did, especially early in the season to DJ. I'm going to actually say he goes a shade less. Not a big drop-off, but a shade less. It's going to be tough to get the 1,000 yards because I think they're going to be more spread out. Bonus question then. Will there be a 1,000-yard receiver this year for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, I'm going to say no. Okay. I have bonus questions too, by the way. That's good, but, you know, by the way, if you want to play the trend with the Jacksonville Jaguars to your secondary question there, Mm -hmm. the answer would be no. Correct. There hasn't been many. Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, and DJ Chark since Jimmy Smith are the only ones to do it. In fact, they had about a nine-year drought in between 1,000-yard receivers. So you would play the odds here in Vegas or here in this studio, which is also like Vegas, (laughs) and say no. Okay. Leonard Fournette last year, Brent, finished seventh in the NFL in rushing yards with 1,152. Does Leonard Fournette have more or less rushing yards this season than last year? Wow, we're going to sleep on that one and take a commercial break, everybody. This is like yeah. an episode of American Idol. <laughs> we'll have the Secret answer to that out. when we come back. More over-unders for the Jacksonville Jaguars. With Austin Lane setting the line. You better believe He's it. He's the dealer. Stay tuned. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on.